Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning section of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This is for December 16th. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. Um, thank you for joining me. I'm sorry. I know my voice is getting worse and worse and thank you for listening, listening to the itchy and scratchy of it. Um, I have swapped over what I'm using to record here. So I've got a little bit more, um, functionality for, um, being able to pause and maybe keep out some of the coughs and whatever. And so I'll try to do my best to do that, but it's a learning curve. So please bear with me. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started and try to minimize the talking I do, even though this is the whole point of a podcast. Um, so let's go and get started. We're going to open this morning with the six day morning prayer. It's called the gospel. O thou most high creator of the ends of the earth, governor of the universe, judge of all men, head of the church, savior of sinners. Thy greatness is unsearchable. Thy goodness, infinite, thy compassions, unfailing, thy providence, boundless. Thy mercies ever new. We bless thee for the words of salvation. How important, suitable, encouraging are the doctrines, promises, and invitations of the gospel of peace. We are lost, but in it thou hast presented to us a full, free, and eternal salvation. Weak, but here we learn that help is found in one that is mighty. Poor, but in him we discover unsearchable riches. Blind, but we find he has treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We thank thee for thy unspeakable gift. Thy Son is our only refuge, foundation, hope, confidence. We depend upon his death, rest in his righteousness, desire to bear his image. May his glory fill our minds, his love reign in our affections, his cross inflame us with ardor. Let us as Christians fill our various situations in life, escape the snares to which they expose us, discharge the duties that arise from our circumstances. Enjoy with moderation their advantages. Improve with diligence their usefulness. And may every place and company we are in be benefited by us. Amen. All right. And now our uh, morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for December 16th. Uh, the text for it is Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come unto me. The cry of the Christian religion is the gentle word, come. The Jewish law harshly said, go Take heed unto thy steps as to the path in which thou shalt walk. Break the commandments, and thou shalt perish. Keep them, and thou shalt live. The law was a dispensation of terror, which drove men before it as with a scourge. The gospel draws with bands of love. Jesus is the good shepherd, going before his sheep, bidding them follow him, and ever leading them onwards with the sweet word, Come. The law repels, the gospel attracts. The law shows the distance which there is between God and man. The gospel bridges that awful chasm and brings the sinner across it. From the first moment of your spiritual life until you are ushered into glory, the language of Christ to you will be, 
Come, come unto me. As a mother puts out her finger to her little child and woos it to walk by saying, Come, even so does Jesus. He will always be ahead of you, bidding you follow him as the soldier follows his captain. He will always go before you to pave your way and clear your path, and you shall hear his animating voice calling you after him all through life, while in the solemn hour of death his sweet words with which he shall usher you into the heavenly world shall be, Come, ye blessed of my Father. Nay, further, this is not only Christ's cry to you, but if you be a believer, this is your cry to Christ. Come, come. You will be longing for his second advent. You will be saying, Come quickly, even so, come, Lord Jesus. You will be panting for nearer and closer communion with him. As his voice to you is, Come, your response to him will be, Come, Lord, and abide with me. Come and occupy alone the throne of my heart. Reign there without a, without a rival, and consecrate me entirely to thy service. All right, and now our reading for the day. We're going to start in Second Chronicles 18. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance, and he allied himself by marriage with Ahab. And some years later he went down to Ahab at Samaria, and Ahab sacrificed, a sheep, sacrificed sheep and oxen in abundance for him and the people who were with him, and incited him to go up against Ramoth-Gilead. And Ahab king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth-Gilead? And he said to him, I am as you are, and my people as your people, and we will be with you in the battle. Moreover Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire first for the word of Yahweh. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets, four hundred men, and said to them, Shall we go against Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not yet a prophet of Yahweh here that we may inquire of him? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of Yahweh, but I hate him because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. He is Micaiah, son of Imla. But Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hasten to bring Micaiah, son of Imla. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting each on his throne, clothed in their royal garments. And they were sitting at the threshing floor, at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Chenana, made horns of iron for himself and said, Thus says Yahweh, with these you shall gore the Arameans until they are consumed. All the prophets were also prophesying thus, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and succeed, and Yahweh will give it into the hand of the king. Now the messenger who went to summon Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Behold, the words of the prophets, as if from one mouth, are good to the king. So please let your words be like one of them, and speak that which is good. But Micaiah said, As Yahweh lives, what my God says, that I shall speak. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And he said, Go up and succeed, and they will be given into your hand. Then the king said to him, How many times must I make you swear to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of Yahweh? So he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains, like sheep which have no shepherd. And Yahweh said, They have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. 
So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not say to you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of Yahweh. I saw Yahweh sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing on his right and on his left. And Yahweh said, Who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, so that he will go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said this while another said that. Then a spirit came forward and stood before Yahweh and said, I will entice him. And Yahweh said to him, How? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then he said, You shall entice him and also prevail. Go out and do so. So now, behold, Yahweh has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these your prophets. But Yahweh has spoken calamity against you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Chenanah, approached and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, How did the spirit of Yahweh pass from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, you will see on that day when you enter an inner room to hide. Then the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this man in prison and feed him sparingly with bread and water until I return safely. And Micaiah said, If you indeed return safely, Yahweh has not spoken by me. And he said, Listen, all you people. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up against Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your garments. So the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went into battle. Now the king of Aram had commanded the commanders of his chariots, saying, Do not fight with small or great, but with the king of Israel alone. Now it happened that when the commanders of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is the king of Israel, and they turned to fight against him. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and Yahweh helped him, and God incited them away from him. So it happened that when the commanders of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. Now a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel in a joint of his armor. So he said to the driver of the chariot, Turn around and take me out of the fight, for I am severely wounded. Now the battle raged that day, and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot in front of the Aramaeans until the evening, and at sunset he died. And now Revelation 7. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, so that no wind would blow on the earth, or on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the slaves of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those be having been sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel, from the tribe of Judah 12,000 having been sealed, from the tribe of Reuben 12,000, from the tribe of Gad 12,000, from the tribe of Asher 12,000, from the tribe of Naphtali 12,000, from the tribe of Manasseh 12,000, from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 having been sealed. 
After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our, our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, the blessing and the glory and the wisdom and the thanksgiving and the honor and the power and the strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These clothed in the white robes, who are they, and from where have they come? And I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. And they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his sanctuary. And he who sits on the throne will dwell over them. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst any more, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will shepherd them and will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. All right, now Zechariah 3, and I need to take some water. Okay, Zechariah 3. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of Yahweh, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And Yahweh said to Satan, Yahweh rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, Yahweh who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand delivered from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. And he answered and spoke to those who were standing, sorry, who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. Again he said to him, See, I have made your iniquity pass away from you, and will clothe you with festal robes. Then I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments, while the angel of Yahweh was standing by. And the angel of Yahweh testified to Joshua, saying, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep the responsibility given by me, then you will also render justice in my house, and also keep my courts. And I will grant you access to walk among these who are standing here. Now listen, Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who are sitting in front of you, indeed they are men who are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am going to bring in my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have put before Joshua, on one stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave an inscription on it, declares Yahweh of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In that day, declares Yahweh of hosts, every one of you will call for his neighbor to sit under his vine and under his fig tree. Finally, John 6. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. Now a large crowd was following him, because they were seeing the signs which he was doing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he was sitting down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where should we buy bread so that these people may eat? And this he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. 
Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number about five thousand. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, likewise also of the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover pieces, so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up, and filled twelve baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves, left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had done, they were saying, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. So Jesus, knowing that they were going to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. <coughs> I'm sorry, just a minute. Sorry. Starting in verse 16. Now when evening came, his disciples... Sorry about that. I had to take a bit of a break. Uh, re restarting at verse 16. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. And after getting into a boat, they began to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. And the sea was stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. Then, when they had rowed about twenty-five or thirty stadia, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, and drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. So they were willing to receive him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day the crowd, which stood on the other side of the sea, saw that there was no other small boat there, except one, and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other small boats came from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father, God, set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What should we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Moses has not given you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. 
But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on that last day. Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him, because he said, I am the bread that comes down from that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And also the bread which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever." These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then, if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. As a result of this, many of disciples went away and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. <laughs> now he was speaking of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. All right, that is our reading for this morning. 
Um, again, I, I hope this time will have blessed you. I'm sorry for my voice and the coughing. Um, did the best I could. Um, and God willing, I'll see you this evening. Uh, we're going to go ahead and close in prayer. Um, this one is called the Convicting Spirit. Let's pray. Thou blessed Spirit, author of all grace and comfort, come work repentance in my soul. Represent sin to me in its odious colors that I may hate it. Melt my heart by the majesty and mercy of God. Show me my ruined self and the help there is in him. Teach me to behold my creator, his ability to save, his arms outstretched, his heart big for me. May I confide in his power and love, commit my soul to him without reserve, bear his image, observe his laws, pursue his service, and be through time and eternity a monument to the efficacy of his grace, a trophy of his victory. Make me willing to be saved in his way, perceiving nothing in myself but all in Jesus. Help me not only to receive him, but to walk in him, depend upon him, commune with him, be conformed to him, follow him, imperfect, but still pressing forward, not complaining of labor, but valuing rest, not murmuring under trials, but thankful for my state. Give me that faith which is the means of salvation and the principle and medium of all godliness. May I be saved by grace, through faith, live by faith, Feel the joy of faith, do the work of faith, perceiving nothing in myself. May I find in Christ wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Amen. All right. You have a blessed day again, like I always implore you. Go do all that you do for the glory of God. Thank you. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the December 16th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host, continuing to be your host, um, even through the sickness. Um, and we're going to go ahead and jump straight into this. Uh, we'll go ahead and open with another prayer from Valley Vision. This one is called Requests. So let's pray. Oh God, may I never be a blot or a blank in life. Cause the, cause the way of truth to be evil spoken of, or make my liberty an occasion to the flesh. May I by love serve others and please my neighbor for his good to edification. May I attend to what is ornamental as well as essential in religion, pursuing things that are lovely and of good report. May I render my profession of the gospel not only impressive, but amiable and inviting. May I hold forth the way of Jesus with my temper as well as my tongue, with my life as well as my lips. May I say to all I meet, I am journeying towards the Lord's given place. Come with me for your good. May I be prepared for all the allotments of this short, changing, uncertain life, with a useful residence in it, a comfortable journey through it, a safe passage out of it, May I be in character and conduct like the dew of heaven, the salt of the earth, the light of the word, world, the fullness of the fountain. May I never be ashamed of Jesus or his words, be deterred from fulfilling a known duty through fear, be discouraged from attempting it through weakness. May I see all things in a divine light so that they may inform my judgment and sanctify my heart. 
and by all the disciplines of thy providence and all the ordinances of religion may i be increasingly prepared for life's remaining duties the solemnities of a dying hour and the joys and services that lie beyond the grave amen all right and now our devotion for this evening uh, the text is isaiah 48 8 yea thou heardest not yea thou knewest not yea from that time that thine ear was not opened it is painful to remember that in a certain degree this accusation may be laid at the door of believers who too often are in a measure spiritually insensible we may well bewail ourselves that we do not hear the voice of god as we ought yea thou heardest not there are gentle motions of the holy spirit in the soul which are unheeded by us there are whisperings of divine command and of heavenly love which are alike unobserved by our leaden intellects alas we have been carelessly ignorant yea thou knewest not there are matters within which we ought to have seen corruptions which have made headway unnoticed sweet affections which are being blighted like flowers in the forest untended by us glimpses of the divine face which might be perceived if we did not wall up the windows of our soul but we have not known as we think of it we are humbled in the deepest self-abasement how must we adore the grace of god as we learn from the context that all this folly and ignorance on our part was foreknown by god and notwithstanding that foreknowledge he yet has been pleased to deal with us in a way of mercy admire the marvelous sovereign admire the marvelous sovereign grace which could have chosen which could have chosen us in the sight of all this wonder at the price that was paid for us when christ knew what we should be he who hung upon the cross foresaw us as unbelieving backsliding cold of heart indifferent careless lax in prayer and yet he said i am the lord thy god the holy one of israel thy savior since thou wast precious in my sight thou hast been honor hast been honorable and i have loved thee therefore will i give men for thee and people for thy life O redemption how wondrously resplendent dost thou shine when we think how black we are O holy spirit give us henceforth the hearing ear the understanding heart so we're going to continue on our study of john 6 or john 1 um we are down into verses 12 and 13 here and we're dealing with the last couple of <clears throat> bullet points the last couple of uh attributes out of this section and we're first going to look at the nature of believers we've dealt with the nature of sinners we've dealt with the nature of the light um so now we're dealing with the nature of believers so verse 12 and i'm going to go ahead and we're going to do verse 12 and verse 13 today or this evening but as many as received him to them he gave the light to become children of the right to become children of god even to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of god as many as received him those that saw the truth of the light and took it in that's who he's speaking of here he's speaking of believers and showing their nature that they see the truth of the light and they take it in they open their eyes and allow that truth of the light to hit their eyes and to reveal the truth to them and that would make it a core part of their soul and put their trust in the light in jesus christ to them the light gave the right the privilege and the privilege to become children of god even to those who believe in his name to those who have a saving faith in christ 
And the world's going to tell you. I mean, even the churches out there today, they've been doing it since before I preached this the first time. And they're doing it now. They're out there, particularly the liberal church, trying to tell you that everybody, that all of mankind are children of God. Maybe, but only in a certain sense. That doesn't mean all are saved. Not at all. John is clear. Only those who receive the light, who believe in the name of Christ. And here's very clear indication. And this gets people grab John 3.16 and they want to sit on that. And they don't even evaluate that whole verse. But I'm going to read verse John 3, 16 through 22. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been done by God. That states it very clearly, even just verse 16 alone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And people stop there. But it goes on, that whoso, there's a qualifier, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Those are the children of God. Those are the believers. Those are who will be saved. It's whoever believes in him. John's not equivocating there. That's the nature of believers. They receive Christ. They believe in his name and are thus provided the privilege of becoming the children of God. They're provided that privilege. It's, it's not a right. Um, too many, too many people in this world. I mean, they do this about a lot of things that, uh, they feel they have certain rights and they don't, they don't, I'm sorry. They don't, um, and, and too often we sit there, we want to run around and try to wave, wave, wave our rights on everybody's faces, even though they're, in a lot of cases, they aren't really rights. They're privileges that we have. Now, let me clarify there. There's a lot of people who are turning around and trying to tell us that God-given rights that we do have are not rights. That's garbage too. So please don't misunderstand me here. But it is not a right of mankind to be children of God. It is a privilege God has given to those who would believe. Whoever believes in him from John 3.16. Um, as many as received him from John 1 verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. And again, it goes on to, qual to qualify even more. Who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we move on into verse 13. Dr. MacArthur asked the following of this. If men are sinful as they are, 
if they are wretched as they are, if they love the darkness as they do, if they're spiritually dead and spiritually blind, how can they possibly believe? How can they possibly receive Christ? How can they possibly become children of God? How can they possibly be born again? How can it happen? Well, verse 13 says it. Not born, who were born, not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Only those that are of God. And that's not something you and I can do. Verse 13 speaks of believers being born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The John the Apostle here is saying that we will not be born again through our heritage, ancestors, or blood. And he was explicitly saying that then to the Jews who were so caught up on the fact that if they were descended from Abraham, then they automatically got into it. In our day and time, it's, well, I was raised by, by Christian parents. I always went to church. So... John's clear, we will not be born again through any personal work we do, which is the will of will of the flesh. He also makes clear that we will not be born again by the will of man, nor by any sacramental system or religious system. I'm, I'm sorry. The sacramental system and the, and the religious system of the, of the Orthodox Church or, or of the Catholic Church, none of those will make us children of God. None of those make us children of God. Yes, there are works that we should be doing as an outflowing of our saving faith and belief. But none of those will make us children of God, will truly show, will truly make us saved. The only way we'll, that we will be born again is through God. God does it all. It is, it is not a synergistic thing. It is not us working with God to get us saved. It is completely monergistic, meaning it is all done by one by by one um, motivator, by one by one energy, and it's God. God is the author of our salvation. So we've seen here clearly that the nature of God is to be a saving God, and we need to know that true believers are those that through being reborn are made children of God. And we have to know that sinners are so blind and so buried in darkness that they run away from the light. We did. We did before we were saved. We ran from the light. Don't, don't let anybody tell you they ran towards God. No, they didn't. They weren't capable of it. We aren't. We're dead. <coughs> we don't run anywhere. If anything, we run away from it. And Christ is that only true light. And the only way we turn to him is through the work of God that he does through the Holy Spirit in our lives. And through that, knowing that none of it was of us should bring us to a true place of humility, of humbleness that should truly man manifest as true Christian ministry is to humbly witness and testify to Christ as John the Baptist did, he always put himself beneath that which he was testifying of, that which he was witnessing to. And that has to be us. We're no, we're no longer, we should no longer have the nature of the sinners 
that was explained in these verses 6 through 13. We no longer look like that, or we should no longer look like that. <coughs> and if we are, then that's a problem we have to deal with. Because that's not acceptable. That is not acceptable. If that's something you're struggling with, then you really need to check your faith. I really need to check mine if that's where I'm at. We cannot be born of the will of the flesh, meaning we cannot be manifesting that if we are truly saved. Stumbling is one thing. Living in sin, that's not the actions of a saved person, not in any way, shape, or form. That's why you truly cannot <clears throat> claim brotherhood with those who are living in fornication, that are living in adultery, which truly is anything outside of a man and a woman being married. Anything else is adultery. That's living in sin. That's not what a saved person does. That's what not what a child of God does. You can, you can hate me if you want to, but God is very clear about this. And he makes it very clear through the gospel of John. And I'm telling you that because I love you. And because if you stay in that and wallow in that, you will not come to a saving faith in Christ and you will face an eternity in hell. And I do not want that for you. I love you too much to leave you in that. So the apostle John makes it very, very clear here that Jesus is the light and that we cannot be these sinners anymore. We cannot be blind and so buried in darkness that, that we cannot see the light. We have to take in the light. We have to let it marinate our souls. We have to truly believe. And to do that, we've got to be on our knees begging God to do a work of regeneration within us, to bring us to that saving faith so that we manifest it in true, humble Christian witness and testi testimony. All right. I'm sorry. That's about all I got in the tank today. Um, we're going to go ahead and we'll go ahead and close with the sixth day evening prayer, the mediator. Let's pray. O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we hope in thy word. There we see thee, not on a fearful throne of judgment, but on a throne of grace, waiting to be gracious and exalted in mercy. There we hear thee saying, not, Depart ye cursed, but look unto me, and be ye saved. For I am God, and there is none else. They that know thy name put their trust in thee. How many now glorified in heaven, and what numbers living on earth are they witnesses, O God, exemplifying in their recovery from the ruins of the fall, the freeness, riches, and efficacy of thy grace. All that were ever saved were saved by thee, and will through eternity exclaim, Not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and truth's sake. Thou hast chosen to transact all thy concerns with us through a mediator, in whom all fullness dwells, and who is exalted to be prince and savior. To him we look, on him we depend, through him we are justified. May we derive relief from his sufferings, without ceasing to abhor sin, or to long after holiness. Feel the double efficacy of his blood, tranquilizing and cleansing our consciences. Delight in his service as well as in his sacrifice. Be constrained by his love, to live not to ourselves, but to him. Cherish a grateful and cheerful disposition not murmuring and repining, if our wishes are not indulged, or because some trials are blended with our enjoyments, 
but sensible of our desert, and impressed with the number and greatness of thy benefits. May we bless and praise thee at all times. Amen. All right. Well, I hope you have a wonderful evening. Um, and then you get a good night sleep. And God willing, I'll be back with you in the morning. I will sure try. Um, but you have a wonderful evening. And God bless. Thank you.